You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Canine Nation is a regular feature column that runs on the Life as a Human online magazine. Life as a Human features articles about what it means to be human, the good, the bad, and the enlightening. This column explores what it means to be human in our relationship with dogs. You can find it at lifeasahuman.com. To get directly to Canine Nation, go to caninenation.lifeasahuman.com. A complete archive of all the Canine Nation articles can be found there. Hi, I'm Eric Brad. Canine Nation is about learning, understanding, and living successfully with our dogs. Modern animal training techniques based on behavioral science can produce amazing results in working with our dogs. Whether your dog is a loved family member or a working dog, a canine athlete, or a trusted companion, positive training techniques based on science can help you enjoy a more productive and fun relationship with your dog. Join us as we explore the many facets of living with our dogs and taking a fresh look at how we work with them. Whether it's taking a closer look at everyday issues we share with our dogs or busting long-standing myths about training and dog behavior, I hope you find something useful in each of the Canine Nation articles. We're glad you're with us. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Swipe It's a revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair, but anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's patent pending glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E-T. Yes, a simple solution for shedding. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are one of the only live shows on Pet Life Radio, and I'm here to answer your questions. So you can call in at 877-385-8882, or you can drop me an email to drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com, and hopefully we'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Helping your dog get it right. Training a dog can be a stressful experience for the dog. Ultimately, it's a guessing game from their standpoint. You know what you want from them, but they don't. And you can't just sit down and explain it to the dog. No one likes to be wrong. That's stressful. Not knowing what is being asked of you is stressful, too. We have lots of training methods to get that message across to our dogs, but they can all be more or less stressful depending on how we work with them when we teach them. Learning something new always involves stress. If we are comfortable and confident, that stress manifests itself as the excitement of a new challenge. If we are not so confident, that stress can be less pleasant. When you are training your dog, she will either get it right or she will get it wrong. As a trainer, How do you respond to her efforts? Well, 
That depends on the trainer. It depends on what they know about teaching dogs. It depends on how easily they get frustrated. It depends on how committed they are to getting things their way. It depends on how far they will go to get results. In short, the results of being right or wrong can be anything from barely noticeable to extreme, whether they are good or bad. For decades, the best dog training was defined by rigorous training based on discipline and forceful methods used to correct the dog's errors when they got the exercise wrong. Trainers like Blanche Saunders and William Keeler popularized training methods that involved physical consequences for the dog when they did something wrong. Yanking on a leash attached to a choke chain collar, also called popping, served to let the dog know that they had given an incorrect response. Some of these methods also advocated verbal praise as a response when the dog got it right. More modern methods have gone further to suggest that rewards like food or play should be offered for correct performance. Regardless of whether punishments like leash yanks or rewards like food are used, dog training is generally judged by results. How fast did the dog learn what they were supposed to do? How quickly do they offer that behavior after hearing or seeing a cue for it? Will the dog perform as required under a variety of difficult or different situations? Today, the debate continues as to whether rewards, punishment, or some combination of the two will be the most effective in getting good training results. I have seen a lot of talk lately about the necessity of letting a dog know when they get it wrong so that good learning can occur. Advocates for using punishments or markers for letting the dog know they were wrong often cite studies which purport to show that behaviors can be learned more efficiently with a combination of punishing incorrect responses and also rewarding correct responses. The difficulty I have with such studies is that they show results in the isolation of only the behaviors used for that study. We live with our dogs for years. What is the effect of all this telling the dog they were wrong on the long-term willingness of our dogs to continue working with us. While it is a very human thing to try to quantify progress by measuring things, conclusions about learning that are based on the isolated results of a single behavior or learning instance don't tell the whole story. There is a study on the differential effects of rewards and punishment on learning in a larger context. It paints a very different picture. The study measured response times error rates, and resilience to variation in presented cues to quantify the impact of learning various behaviors and behavior sequences. The researchers report their findings as follows. I quote, The behavioral experiment, therefore, showed that only reward but not punishment enhances the implicit learning of sequences. This finding is at odds with previous studies of reward and punishment on learning, which, however, were generally confined to associative learning tasks, unquote. So, while punishment used to indicate errors may increase the efficiency of learning an individual task, subsequent performance of that task under different conditions will actually suffer both in response time and reliability over subjects who are trained using only rewards. It is significant because we do not live with our dogs and function in an isolated series of individual moments. We have a continuous relationship with them, and we expect the behaviors we teach to continue over a variety of places and situations in our life with our dog. Is there much value in measuring our success based only on how quickly we can get our dog to comply with our commands? 
I think it's far better to measure success by the long-term durability of not just behaviors trained, but of the overall willingness of our dogs to engage in the learning process with us. That is a better indicator of their ability to learn and adapt. It may even be an indicator of their overall intelligence. It appears from the available research that how we go about teaching our dogs can have a tremendous impact on their long-term behavior and relationship with us. From an operant conditioning perspective, there are only a few responses that are possible when our dog gets it wrong during training. We could do nothing. Essentially, we provide no response to an incorrect attempt. All the dog knows is that they were not rewarded for that response. We attempt to extinguish the incorrect response or make it not worth repeating. We can use a no-reward marker. In this case, we provide some indicator that the response was wrong. We say oops or good try or nope or some other indicator that lets the dog know that no reward will be coming. We deny them any reward for their effort and it's a mild punishment. We can give our dogs a timeout. We end the training session when they get it wrong. They messed up and so they are punished by ending any opportunity for further rewards. We can apply pressure. We begin doing something the dog doesn't enjoy, like tugging on their leash or moving into their space. If the dog offers the correct response, we immediately stop the uncomfortable stimulus. This is negative reinforcement in that the dog is encouraged to do the behavior so that they shut off the unpleasant feeling. Or we can punish the error. We can give the dog a correction. This could be a verbal or physical punishment to indicate that that response was unacceptable. The dog may learn to do the required behavior to avoid the punishment next time. It's inevitable that a dog will offer an incorrect response at some point in the training process. For my own training, I choose how I will respond to any errors based on how it will affect my dog's willingness to engage in further training rather than finding the shortest path to the behavior I want. Can I make it clear that the response was not what I was looking for and not discourage my dog from trying again? Animal trainer Ken Ramirez offered a wonderful solution for handling errors in training at a recent seminar that I attended. It's called a Least Reinforcing Stimulus or Scenario, or LRS for short, and it was introduced in 1991 by SeaWorld head trainer Mike Scarpuzzi. The LRS is actually a hybrid of the do-nothing response I previously mentioned and an invitation to try again by offering another opportunity to earn a reward. The LRS procedure is remarkably simple. Over the course of a training session, my dog will make several attempts at the correct behavior. When my dog offers a correct response, I use a marker signal and offer the reward, usually a food treat. If my dog offers an incorrect response, I go completely neutral offering no marker, no reward, no punishment, no response for a brief period, say two or three seconds. After that pause, I re-engage her immediately as before and offer her another chance to try the behavior. There are several advantages to this LRS. First, it's brief and therefore not overly disruptive to the training process. Second, it gives my dog a few seconds to realize that the last attempt they tried was not productive in terms of earning a reward. And third, it offers an immediate opportunity to retry to get that reward. Perhaps most importantly, it's not overly aversive, so it does not discourage any future efforts to discover the correct response. The new opportunity to earn a reward overshadows the previous unproductive response.
As a dog trainer, I've always believed that keeping the dog engaged and willing to play the learning game, training, is the most important aspect of what we do as dog trainers. Without our dog's eager and enthusiastic participation, training becomes drudge work, and neither of us enjoy it. If instead we can keep things light and fun, training becomes a game where being right is great because of the rewards, and being wrong is no big deal because there's always another chance to get it right. While using aversives or corrections to get the results you want in the short term may seem like a productive way to go, the science of behavior shows that making errors a non-event provides better long-term engagement with your dog. Making the training experience as non-threatening and enjoyable as possible means you get to enjoy a lifetime of training with your dog. And really, isn't that what it's all about? Until next time, have fun with your dogs. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Canine Nation. You can find the text version of it at caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. Teaching Dogs Effective Learning is the second Canine Nation ebook to be released. It is a collection of essays from the Life as a Human online magazine on how we train and teach our dogs and what we can learn in the process. The book includes introductory notes for each essay, as well as two essays written specifically for this book. Also available is the first Canine Nation ebook, Dogs as They Are, a look at what our dogs are, where they have come from, and how they adapt to our lives. Both books are available in the Canine Nation store in Kindle format, EPUB format for iPads, Kobo, Nook, and other e-readers, or a special PDF edition formatted for instructors that includes licensing for reprints for students. Just go to caninenation.ca and click on the store link at the top of the page. You can also find Canine Nation eBooks in the Amazon store on Apple iTunes at booktango.com and other online booksellers. You can join our discussion about dogs and dog training on Facebook. Just search for Canine Nation to get to our group. You can ask for membership and we'll add you to our growing family. If you can spread the word about the podcast or link to our caninenation.lifeisahuman.com page, we would certainly appreciate it. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.